everybody. This is Swati Kella with the Harvard Political Review, and we welcome you to the Humans of COVID-19, a podcast series that shares the stories of real individuals around the nation grappling with the coronavirus epidemic. We hope that as you listen, you realize that social distancing does not mean we have to be apart. Instead, we can continue to be involved in our own communities and in communities across the United States, and that starts with listening. Today, we're going to be talking about the segment of the population that's most vulnerable to COVID-19 senior citizens. We'll be speaking with Danielle Pomisano, the Senior Director of Intensive Services and Business Development at JASA. JASA is an agency in New York City serving 40,000 senior citizens. Their work includes coordinating with senior care centers, providing meal services, legal services, and running mental health clinics. Thank you for joining us today, Danielle. Thanks for having me. When did you first realize that COVID would severely affect the kind of work you do and the people you serve? I've probably been about two weeks now where we have realized that this presented a real threat to our population. JASA is a large nonprofit. We have a pretty significant network of services working with over 40,000 older adults throughout New York City. Um, You know, older adults are a vulnerable population. They often experience health concerns, physical frailty, and have a very high rate of social isolation. And these issues are really exacerbated when looking at a public health issue, such as COVID-19. So we've been very concerned about the impact that this would have on our clients. Were there cases that you were aware of among the staff of JASA or the 40,000 New York senior citizens that your organization serves? Not at this point. However, we do have growing concerns, obviously, as, you know, testing is increasing and it's clear that there has been spread of the virus. JASA staff are currently reaching out to all of our clients. We are, you know, asking them if they've had any symptoms, making sure that they're connected to medical providers, providing information on the virus, circulating information that we've received from the CDC, making sure that they have accurate information, call many fears, provide information, You know, there's a lot of concern about an inability to get groceries or supplies. The staff are helping make those appropriate connections so that clients have what they need. And also just to be someone that they can talk to about this. The majority of our clients are socially isolated. And if the JASA staff was not calling them, they really would have nobody to talk to about this. And what is generally the mood or the atmosphere among the senior citizens that you serve? Have you been able to talk one-on-one with them? Yes. Um, I think a lot of people are concerned. Um, you know, this has been something that feels like it's really kind of ramped up quite quickly. You know, uh, a week ago, I think we were kind of having growing, individuals having growing concerns, and now, you know, panic is starting to set in for some individuals. So staff are, you know, reaching out to individuals one-on-one. Um, we're calling hundreds of people a day, you know, identifying what kinds of, you know, issues they may have. You know, do they need referrals for services or other supplies that they may need? We've implemented a telephone visiting procedure, which is enabling JASA staff to call clients on a regular schedule. We're promoting social interaction over the phone, addressing any high-risk situation. Um, We're doing this through a variety of our programs. Also looking for opportunities to connect people. You know, we're exploring things like telephone support groups and possible video conferencing through, you know, apps like Zoom and Google Hangouts for, for, you know, older adults that are kind of tech savvy and and have the equipment and are able to connect that way, which is something that JASA has really been doing a lot of work on for the past several years. You know, we do cell phone trainings and tablet trainings, and so we do have a number of clients that are comfortable with that. 
And we're really trying to make sure that we're getting information out and that we're reaching people who really would not be reached if we were not making those calls. And can you talk a little bit about how your prior organizational functions have been affected and what that means for your clients? So, um, you know, obviously we are monitoring, you know, senior leadership is monitoring and we are, you know, this is an evolving situation and we're needing to kind of reevaluate really on a daily, sometimes hourly time, you know, timeline. But just an example of some of the steps that we have taken. Um, one, for example, we've had the CEASE program in our 22 senior centers, which is really a very vital service for New York City's older adults. Staff in the senior centers have continued to check in on clients regularly through phone calls. And again, using that telephone visiting guide that we've developed and trained staff on, our senior centers are providing takeout meals for centers to come and, and pick up their meals because they, you know, seniors really rely on those meals. We've established procedures for telephone meetings with clients and potential clients for our legal services program. We have maintained critical operations such as our home delivered meals program, which serves Brooklyn and Queens. Um, we've uh, modified our protocols for food delivery to reduce contact amongst drivers and clients receiving home delivered meals. Um, and I think this is really key that we've been able to maintain this because the meals on wheels drivers play really a, a, a vital role in the lives of the older adults that they deliver to. They sometimes are the only person that the individual may see, maybe the only social contact that they have. Uh, they really serve as a gatekeeper and, you know, identify if something may be wrong and making referrals to our case management or to our social services staff if there's any concern that the senior may be at need at the time. We have implemented the telephone visiting procedure throughout all of our programs, our NORC program, senior centers, case management, elder abuse, or really any of the clients that we regularly work with. We're now still maintaining that contact with them through phone calls. We're doing regular check-ins. Staff are really trying to maintain a sense of normalcy and comfort to our clients during this time. And simultaneously monitoring for any at-risk situations. You know, we're obviously concerned that, you know, if we identify folks that begin to show symptoms, we want to make sure that we help them get access to tests and, and to medical care. And these senior centers, are they daytime facilities or are they also adult homes and assisted living centers? They are daytime settings, and these are for pre-independent older adults who are residing, you know, in independent housing in the community, and they come and we have congregate programs and serve a daily meal. So our congregate programs have been suspended for the current time, but we are still preparing and seniors are able to come pick up a meal. I want to talk about home care specifically, the set of services that provides personal assistance and nursing aids to senior citizens within their own homes. Mm -hmm. Have people still been able to go to the senior citizens' homes? Have they been able to visit? Yes. Yes, home care services remain in place. And one of your programs, Adult Protective Services, deals with specifically the harms of isolation within the elderly mm -hmm. community. Can you yes. talk about isolation more and how we can still make sure that the elderly are within the companionship of others without violating the social distancing norms that we've come sure. under? Which is really key at this point, you know. Um, so social isolation is such a real critical issue amongst the elderly. There are very high levels of social isolation amongst older adults in New York, and it has been proven to negatively impact health outcomes 
So it's really critical at this time that we become, that we identify those folks who are already socially isolated and now really at even more risk, you know, when they don't have the normal service providers coming around when, you know, there's less of a possibility for them to, you know, go to a senior center or meet up with people. So our staff are, you know, again, we we reach over 40,000 people a year. We have, you know, really kind of triaged our caseloads, identifying individuals that we know are at increased risk that don't have connections with maybe a neighbor or a family member or, you know, the use of volunteers and JASA staff making, you know, increased contact with those individuals, you know, monitoring them closely, not just calling to ask them how, you know, are they, are they having any symptoms, but also how are they doing and what are they watching on TV and what's going on and really trying to have a social connection with them so that they know that there is somebody that they can talk to, so that hopefully we can really be an outlet for them. Also making connections to potential services that they may need, you know, for example, Meals on Wheels, or to be able to identify, you know, if they're, if they're struggling, if there's any issue and, and catch it early before it becomes a crisis. We're also looking at exploring, you know, again, the use of technology, whether it be, you know, conference support groups by conference calls, the use of video chat, Zoom, and those sorts of apps, and also helping connect individuals, you know, by phone, you know, asking older adults, you know, who have certain interests, would you like to be paired with somebody who maybe you could speak with by phone? And we're trying that out to see if we can, you know, help make connections amongst people, broaden their social connection. And with the technological advances that you were talking about with apps like Zoom that all the students are using now, how prevalent is the use of technology within this demographic? Is it relatively easy to connect with them, or is it more difficult to make sure everyone has access? You know, it's it's a little bit of both, I would say. Um, I think for the older of the age cohort, it is a little bit more challenging. However, JASA for, you know, I've worked for JASA for over 20 years, and, and for a very, very long time, we have done a lot of training. You know, we have computer labs in almost all of our senior centers. We have cell phone workshops and tablet workshops and really work with individuals on looking at how, because we really see technology as being key um, tool to help connect people outside of their home. So it is a challenge, but I think it is one that we've kind of taken on for a long time. I, I can tell you at one of our sites, we have a, I was, we, we kind of launched a program and I was surprised at the launch of the program. I would say probably about 60% of the people in the room had smartphones and were taking videos and were taking photos. And it made me realize, you know, we might really be able to do a little bit more with this now as people are getting a little bit more comfortable with the technology. And what are ways that other people can get involved who aren't immediately affiliated with JASA, like young people, students? Sure. Well, they can visit um, www.jasa.org. We have information there if individuals want to volunteer or if they want to make a donation. There's information on on our programs, on our service locations, and I would encourage someone to check out our webpage. And I guess the question I want to end this with is, what can be done going forward? Like what is the one most important thing that people should keep in mind? Uh, Like we were saying before, not only by the organization, but by all of these other New Yorkers, by students, Mm -hmm. by people who now have time, who are at home. Check check on, check on the older adults in your lives, check on your family members, check on your neighbors, 
ask people if they need supplies, offer to do shopping for them. These are really scary on certain times for all of us. And when you're home and you're isolated and you may be frail or in need of other services, it can really be terrifying. And we need to embrace individuals and we need to make sure that they have all their needs are met. And hearing that about how we can all help, it's a really good way to wrap up. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for having us. No problem. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to get more involved, you can find Jess's website and contact information below. And if you or anyone you know has a story to share, fill out the form below. This is Swathi Keller with the Harvard Political Review. Thank you for listening. <laughs>